All right, welcome back to this week's episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. This week, you've got myself and Nick, and we're talking about uh, lots of box office stuff, which is a nice change of pace. Unfortunately, not much is happening, but that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Um, so Tenant has been delayed again and delayed indefinitely. Um, it was supposed to release here in a few weeks after being pushed back from its July 17th release date last month. Uh, it is now without a release date. As lo- along with Mulan and Top Gun, A Quiet Place, and The Conjuring 3. Um, so a lot of the major studios, Disney and Paramount especially, are starting to really pull back and just kind of wait. I mean, not even giving dates for next year or in the spring or summer. Just whenever we're ready, we'll, we'll drop our movies is what it kind of looks like right now. Yeah, part of me is kind of relieved. Cause we've been talking about tenant on every single podcast. So part of me is like, Oh my gosh, we don't have to talk about it every time now. Cause it's off the schedule and then we'll bring it back when they actually decide to make a decision. But yeah, I feel like this is all kind of like we expected this to be, to happen for quite some time now. We were just waiting for all these movies to finally move off of their dates. And I think it makes a lot of sense for all of these. Like I know the conjuring three, they were hoping to do reshoots like sometime in April or May and that, that just didn't happen obviously. So they don't have an, un- they don't have a finished movie. So obviously they need to move back to next year. And I think that's the only one that has the date out of all of these, but yeah, I, f- I feel like Disney and uh, Warner brothers were kind of playing chicken with Mulan and tenant. They were both kind of jostling at one point. Mulan was the first to come back then it was tenant and they were moving back and forth. And then the theaters were like, Hey, like, I guess we'll open. I don't know. Like, what do you guys want to do? Um, but yeah, it seems like, now theaters don't have quite like the they really don't have to worry about opening again anytime soon they can kind of take their time so i feel like now we're just waiting for whatever the coronavirus happens or decreases or whatever i think we're all just kind of waiting on that at this point yeah and we're in kind of a weird spot where a lot of the foreign box offices are opening up and are ready for big stuff like tenant mulan or at least getting close and then america's just like off doing its own thing somehow getting worse um so i think like that's the bigger issue right now is that the domestic box office generally makes up a a very big chunk of the global box office um you're talking the united states and china are pretty much always number two for movies when they open up so if you're missing that massive market you're obviously not going to want to drop a tentpole or something you've already sunk um like 300 million dollars into like mulan or i saw an estimate um and i think it was deadline a couple weeks ago that was talking about how tenant would need to make over about 800 million because of all the extra costs they've had with delaying it and changing their marketing strategy and everything um so they're obviously not going to be very apt to opening movies up when there's not going to be an audience or at least not safely going to be an audience and so yeah kind of just depends on when america can get itself together and decide that masks aren't evil <laughs> yeah it is really interesting because we are going to see like at some point warner brothers needs to start making money on the on this movie and the same with the rest of these that are finished and like paramount i know we've talked about so many times where they just really need any hit they can get. So them holding off on Top Gun in a Quiet Place for a while is kind of big for them. And you've seen in other in other news stories this week where they've they've shelved off a bunch of projects. They've pushed them over to Netflix because they just need to make some kind of money to keep going. Uh, I know I'm probably being a little dire with their situation, but they're they're not obviously struggling a little more than Disney or Warner Brothers and things like that. But it will be really interesting to see 
what happens moving forward because these yeah these movies need to be out at some point for all these studios so you're we might see and there's been reports of this that we probably will see tenant and Mulan and some of these come out overseas in europe maybe or china which is starting to open up a little bit we might see that in maybe a month or so and then we just have to wait for forever here in the states for it to happen I think that makes a lot of sense, and maybe that's kind of that turns into somewhat of a status quo moving forward for a lot of these movies, where they just can't wait, and they're just gonna figure out like, hey, we're gonna, like, I guess piracy might happen, and that might suck, but we just need to just get rid of these movies and make some money off of them. Yeah, and also right now China's playing catch up a little bit too, because they did close down the obviously where the virus kind of first started to spread, um, largely. China was one of the first countries to shut down. And so obviously their theaters were shut down a little bit longer than everybody else was. So they're starting to kind of pull back those older movies like Doolittle, the classic <laughs> Disney film, and uh, Bloodshot, and some other movies like that that didn't get a big theatrical run in China. So they've at least got something to go off for a while. But I would imagine that these other box offices that are opening up and able to open up safely are going to be pretty hungry for content here pretty soon. God, remember when Doolittle and Bloodshot came out in theaters? That feels like forever ago. That really feels like it's been five years at this point. You know, Doolittle, like, we hadn't even gone to Sundance yet, and oh my gosh. I even caught up with that movie this week, and it's just the most insane thing. Like, Robert Downey Jr. pulling a bag a bagpipe out of a dragon's ass, and then the dragon <laughs> and the dragon farts, and then that's the, that's the third act. That's the third act climax <laughs> of that movie. I'm sorry to spoil Doolittle for everyone out there. I'm sure they were very interested in seeing it. Um, but just the, I don't know, that makes me kind of sad that we're like, hey, the China box office is opening back up, and then it's Doolittle, and then Bloodshot, <laughs> which is Vin, Vin Diesel's latest ego trip. Um, yeah, it's we are this is so strange to me <laughs> this is really really strange yeah, it does feel like it was just ages ago um even because i think the last thing i saw in theaters was onward and that feels like a lifetime ago um it's just what a time to be alive and in, into movies <laughs> and bloodshot was was literally the last movie that i saw in theaters so i saw it that thursday night that weekend, I think it was like that March 13th weekend or whatever that date was when they, <laughs> that Friday and Saturday, everyone was like, we need to shut down everything immediately. <laughs> so me thinking back on like Thursday night and I was like, oh my gosh, if I get the coronavirus from seeing bloodshot in theaters, I'm going to be so pissed. Uh, so yeah, now seeing that movie out in China now is just bizarre to me. Uh, it looks like I mean, like, there's, like, a little bit of a silver line, like, hey, like, box offices are opening back up around the world. Maybe, like, we're returning to normal soon. And um, I don't know. I don't – we're not quite there yet because there were reports, too, in China where they wanted to open theaters and then they recorded, like, a few spikes in that area. I mean, I don't, I don't think they were connected to the theater chains, but they were like, oh, we just can't open these yet, so sorry. Um, so I think they're still kind of dealing with some stuff. And like you said, they're kind of catching up with some other movies too. But um, yeah, we still have a long way to go here. And wouldn't it be just bizarre if that we saw the New Mutants out of all these movies? We saw the New Mutants first. Yeah, it seems <laughs> really strange, um, especially because like the New Mutants is still holding on to its August release date. Um, so even when Disney is 
pushing back big stuff like Mulan, and uh, they announced even in the future that Star Wars and Avatar, all those movies are going to be delayed by a year because of just production delays they've had because of the shutdown. Uh, the New Mutants had a, a teaser, and actually, I think they released the first couple minutes of the movie, and then the end of the teaser uh, just says, fingers crossed, and then has the August <laughs> release date. So <laughs> at this point, I feel like if it doesn't hit that August window, they're just going to drop it on Disney Plus because it's got to be something where it's mounting to have to keep remarketing this with a new date every few months. Yeah, they have to at some point. Like when when was this supposed to come out? Was it like 2018? It was April of 2018, uh, right? I think. Yeah, I can't remember. I it's been so long. It's been delayed four or five times. Like at this point, it's like they. I can't imagine the marketing costs. I mean, like that they've rebranded it so many times, and there was. Those reports that we've discussed so many times of them going back for reshoots, but then Anya Taylor Joy and Maisie Williams were like, "I don't really know if we were if the movie's happening or not." <laughs> they went back and did, did reshoots. Like at some point, it's the same thing with Tenet and Mulan. Like at some point, like these movies just need this just needs to come out at some point. So maybe that's, I mean, if it's still going for that R rating that it was apparently supposed to have, maybe it drops on Hulu. But yeah, Hulu Disney Plus. It I think that just needs to happen now. I mean, even so that we just can have something to talk about. <laughs> I just need content yeah. in my life. <laughs> There's been such a content, just lack of it for weeks. I just need something to talk about that isn't Artemis Fowl or me catching <laughs> up with, or me catching up with Doolittle and seeing Robert Downey Jr. try to do an accent. Um, I need something in my life. And I'm really sad that it's come to me wanting to see the new mutants. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like the new mutants is like kind of in a weird bubble because it is going to be, a much lower budgeted movie than something like, you know, even like the main X-Men or the Deadpool movies. So I feel like it's at a point where eventually it's going to become too costly to delay it. So, right. It's already a little bit expensive to be like a streaming movie, especially for something that's from like a well-known franchise, but eventually it's going to be like, all right, we've spent so much money delaying it. We've already lost. We might as well just drop it on Disney plus and or Hulu and just stop spending money on it. And I think that would be such a, just a smart thing marketing deal for them especially for disney plus because i know they have the the beyonce album visual album coming out this coming week and like that seems to be getting a lot of buzz all the beyonce stands are just going nuts over that and i feel like i mean disney plus already is doing really well in the streaming just space but i feel like just saying like hey we have this we're gonna put this on here like that would blow everything else out of the water like yeah netflix has like the old guard and stuff like that but like obviously like they don't have the name recognition of the new mutants even though the new mutants might be the worst thing ever who knows but i just feel like that just makes so much sense at this point it would drive a lot of interest towards the service i don't really know yeah and i think they need to fill kind of a content gap because a lot of their like their marvel shows that were supposed to launch here i think even within the next month or so have been delayed and like some of them like the Falcon and the winter soldier, I know doesn't have a new release date yet. And so, you know, they're going to have gaps where they had planned on having content. Um, and especially when you're competing with something like Netflix, that's just constantly bringing in content and even, you know, HBO max and, and uh, Peacock and all these other streaming services and, and maybe even Quibi though. I, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, like they, they just need, more high profile stuff to kind of fill the void. Um, cause they, you know, you have a Hamilton every now and then you have like frozen two when that launched early. Um, but, but Disney plus really still doesn't have a massive 
draw past the original stuff they launched with last November. Yeah, and they have Man- The Mandalorian Season 2 coming out, which I actually think finished shooting. It wrapped before uh, everything happened, but there's just so much like post-production stuff, so many visual effects stuff they have to do on that that it just takes a while. But that's not due out until like late, like later next year. So they really do have a lot of time that they have to fill here. I and mean, yeah, it's it's Disney. They're fine, but it, it I don't know. Like just just man up and do it. Who cares? <laughs> it's the new mutants. At this point, we're all just shocked that it still exists. So just put it somewhere. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing is you know it's a Fox holdover and it's not really part of like the main X Men universe anyways. So it's pretty much just going to be a one off movie no matter what. Um, so I feel like you're, you know, you're not really losing out on franchise exposure at that point because it's not going to go anywhere, whether it's a success or not, because it's all getting rebooted here in a few years anyways. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm tired. I for all of these movies now that have been moved so many times until I'm sitting down and watching it, I'm not going to believe that they exist. So I'm just waiting for whenever that is. Maybe it's 2023 <laughs> the way it's looking now. I don't know. but I just don't believe it. I don't believe Tenet exists. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of the same way with the Avatar sequels. Like, I, I don't believe... I mean, obviously, like, Cameron's been doing something for the past 11 years, but I don't believe that those movies are doing anything until they're actually there. And I'm watching giant blue people, like, intertwine their ponytails again. <laughs> yeah, they did all the, the weird underwater shooting, and I remember there was, like, the that picture of like Kate Winslet there and someone else who's a big star. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you're actually doing stuff for this movie. And we just never heard anything again. So I don't know, just very, very weird. James Cameron just over there doing his thing. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see with all these movies. I'm, I feel like at this point I am not waiting with bated breath. I'm just going to let them come to me whenever uh, it happens because I, I feel like I'm in I'm in serious acceptance mode in this quarantine land that we now live in, where it's <laughs> like great, <laughs> like I'm I'm okay with my surroundings now. But it just and if you want to bring me cool things at some point, like I'll I'll be here. I'll wait. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm in I'm I think maybe it broke me. Who knows? <laughs> and I think you know all these movie releases and delays and indefinite polls are kind of made irrelevant with uh, some big news from the Robert Rodriguez camp this week that uh shark boy and lava girls getting a Netflix series <laughs> <laughs> uh, where both heroes are adults. And I think they have a kid together or something like that. Um, which I mean, that original movie is just so bizarre to begin with that. I need to see this. I, I need to know what is coming out of Rodriguez's brain. 15 years later what is happening so is he because the first one was based off of a dream or a dream that he was telling or a kid story that he told his kid as he was falling asleep or something so is he still like 15 years later whatever it is is he still tucking his kid in the bed and telling him stories and we got chalkboard live lava girl too is that how it works? Uh, yeah apparently it's not actually too far off from that apparently because his kids are older <laughs> i was now. totally joking that's uh, so funny <laughs> Apparently they were like, what if we had the Avengers, but they had kids? And, and so <laughs> since he already has Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Netflix will make anything, um, he's just doing it, um, which I, I think it's interesting because Shark Boy and Lava Girl is one of those movies that it really didn't make a ton of money. Like it made 
69 million off a 50 million dollar budget back in 2005 but everybody in our generation at least has that picture of george lopez in the giant like fishbowl burned into their brain so i feel like it's got (laughs) a lot of name recognition and a lot of curiosity even if nobody really paid attention to it when it came out yeah i feel like i've seen on twitter i've seen the clip of taylor lautner doing his shark boy thing maybe maybe it was like in tandem with the news that came out, I didn't see the, the news break, but it's just, it's kind of, it's not Shrek levels of memory, but it's definitely in that same camp. It's like a, it's like a subculture of the subculture or something like that. Like people our age, probably like they saw it once, but they just think it's hilarious that it's a movie called Sharkborn Lava Girl that exists. Uh, <laughs> and Taylor Lautner's in it and whatnot, and George Lopez. So uh, why not? Fuck it. Like, we have nothing. We're not doing anything. Bring it on. I'll watch it. Yeah, and it's got, like, a decent cast <laughs> attached to it already. Because <laughs> it's got Priyanka Chopra in one of the main roles, Christian Slater. Um, what is happening? I know, like, in the, in the news releases for it, they're saying that Lava Girl's, like, confirmed to have a part. And then because, you know, Shark Boy's actually famous now. He may or may not like Pedro Pascal is in it. Uh, Soon Kang from Fast and Furious is in it. Um, just like, <laughs> what a bizarre group to already be attached to this. What a time! What this is just. I feel like we've broken through into some alternate dimension. This is so weird. The fact that this is the stuff getting greenlit right now. I don't. Uh, whatever. Who cares? This is just how deep into quarantine everybody has yeah turn off the podcast i'm done (laughs) i'm locking off i'm done with all of this oh my god uh but yeah that is uh (laughs) i'd say netflix original that'll be coming your way here pretty soon Uh, um that's definitely one that i'll be watching with lots of alcohol involved (laughs) me too um (laughs) But yeah, Netflix also had a fairly busy week. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to deal with it too much, but uh, I'll let you dive into uh, the greatest two hours and 12 minutes of your life here pretty soon. Oh but uh, Netflix's top 10 was pretty much more of the same. Despicable Me still in the top 10, as always. Old Guard still hanging on pretty strong. Um, but in the first spot on the Netflix top 10 this week was The Kissing Booth 2. Uh, followed by Animal Crackers, a movie that I did not know existed until about 20 minutes ago and will forget in about 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> the Kissing Booth, the original in the number three spot. Ip Man 4 uh, in the number four spot. Seems pretty appropriate. The Old Guard at number five. Fatal Affair at number six. And then The Lorax in at number seven. How Do You Know? Number eight. Offering to the Storm. Number nine. And Good Old Reliable, Despicable Me. Still in the top 10 at number 10. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have much to say over the kissing booth because I went out of my way not to watch it. So, <laughs> well, I went out of my way to watch it and I don't have a reason why because maybe it's because I hate myself. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I had never seen the original kissing booth until this week and I watched that in preparation for the new one uh, again because I hate myself. Um, and that was just an awful experience, but. It was like an hour and 40 minute movie, 100 minutes, right around there. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world. And it's whatever. This movie is for obviously for tweens and it's called The Kissing Booth. Like that's just catnip for 
anyone of a younger teenage existence. So I was like, whatever, like, that's fine. And then, and then I watched the kissing booth too. And that was just the worst thing. Um, so this movie is, yeah, it's two hours and 12 minutes long. So it's longer than most superhero movies. Sure. Um, and I, I couldn't give you a reason why that's the case. Cause this movie, this is one of those teen movies where people storm off out of the room before the other person in the argument can finish their sentence. And so if, like they, if they could actually have a reasonable discussion, this movie would turn into a short film. It would be like 10 minutes long because there'd be all these crazy confusions would be like put to bed and everyone would be fine. It's one of those. And it's so frustrating to see this movie uh, spin its wheels for that long. But yeah, I guess a quick primer on the kissing booth. Uh, there's two friends. One of them is played by Joey King, um, who I just continue to be sad about that she's in so many terrible movies. But um, it's they have a f- list of friendship rules, and one of them is that you, you can't date um, family members. So obviously that's what happens. There's the kissing booth. Uh, Joey King kisses the her I can't even remember the kids the guy's name Lee Flynn that's the character's name. I can't believe I remembered that. But he, he, she kisses the older, hunky, bad boy brother, Noah. They start a thing in secret, and the, the, obviously, like, they get mad later and whatever. Um, so this is the, <laughs> the sequel where he's off in college. Um, she's still there, and she thinks that uh, Noah, the younger, the older brother, is cheating on her uh, at college. She's applying to colleges. She, it's, um, I'm getting tired even trying to <laughs> recount all of this. This is just so just not worth it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this, like this movie is, it's just whatever, like you're, Oh, my, my girlfriend or boyfriend, they might be cheating on me. What's going on here. It's all this. Um, oh my gosh. I, if there's anything I could really say about either of these movies, it's that, well, they're, they're written by the first one. It was written and directed by Vince uh, Mar- Marcello, Marcello. I don't know how to say his name. And then he brought on uh, another writer uh, for the second one. And the both thing, the thing that they both have in common is they're both like middle-aged men. So like they cannot write like female characters at all. Like Joey King's character just sulks and is sad because her of her boy troubles at every, at every moment. Uh, like the camera leers at her body and stuff, which is just really gross. When like in the first movie, her character's like sixteen or seventeen years old. So not great. Um, but yeah, yeah. like. <laughs> It's uh, it's not ideal, and it's one of those movies where it's like the forty-year-old's approximation of how teenagers talk. So they're like saying "bro" and "a" like every other word. It is just so nauseating. Um, I don't really want to talk about these movies anymore, so let's move on. <laughs> I hated myself for watching these two movies. Yeah, I am fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Why is it two hours long? <laughs> oh my god! I will never get that back, Colin. I will never in my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, there won't be a kissing booth three. Uh, no, there, there will be. There I'd will like be. Paul dibs on not watching it. <laughs> there will be. There, there. The movie, the second kissing booth two, basically it doesn't end with a resolution. It just ends. Uh, so there will be a third one at some point, and I. Uh, and I, and I, I can wait for it. I can wait. It's not going to be great, but yeah, I hate <laughs> these movies. But uh, teenagers apparently love them, so whatever. Live your truth. 
Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that you say that because I just got a notification. It's official. The Kissing Booth 3 is coming in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything. Just give me the Shark Boy Love, Love <laughs> series instead. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. But yeah, fortunately, there were other things to stream this week. <laughs> um, actually, like a solid week for horror. Uh, so there was The Rental, which is Dave Franco's directorial debut, I believe. And then Amulet, which was a movie I got to check out at Sundance. And so we each got to see one of those. Uh, so what do you think of The Rental? The Rental is really interesting. It's worth talking about, unlike the Kissing Booth movies. But yeah, this is Dave Franco's directorial debut, which is just really interesting. So this is... A weird. This is a mumblecore drama slash slasher movie. Um, it's like a genre mashup, and uh, we'll get. To, I don't really know. I don't think that combination works, but I think it's kind of like getting into spoiler territory to kind of explain why. So um, I won't really explain that. But yeah, this movie is. It's really interesting. I think Dave Franco has a lot of a lot of skill, and I'd like to see his next movie because there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. Uh, so the plot of this is. There's two couples. They rent a big Airbnb on the Pacific coast, now, right on the rocks. It's really pretty. Uh, it's two cu- so two couples. With the one couple is Dan Stevens and Allison Brie, and the other is Sheila Van and Jeremy Allen White. Uh, so it's four really good actors. It's basically a four-hander the whole time. Uh, Toby Huss owns the property, and he's like the creepy dude who they su- they suspect of weird things going on there. But um, yeah, so they're 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 dealing with the relationship troubles and discretions and all the while there's there's this evil force just kind of lurking in the background the whole time. Um, so I don't want to spoil too much about this because even though I don't think I would recommend it, but I think there's a lot of good stuff in it to the point where I think a lot of people might like it if they check it out themselves. Um, so just know that it's a, lot, it's a relationship drama and then it gets smacked in the face by a slasher movie and you kind of see why and there's some gross things they suspect Toby Huss is doing and there's different things going on, but um, it's really interesting. I think there's, I think Dave Franco will go on to make some a movie that I really, really like because there's a lot of skill in here. But um, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag overall. I think Dan Stevens and Allison Brie are really good in it. I like Sheila Vand as well, and the whole cast is really good. Jeremy Allen White's really good too. But um, yeah, I would, I would say people definitely try to check it out. It's worth a rental, and I, I excuse my terrible pun. But um, yeah, I think <laughs> I think this movie. It, there's it's a lot of stuff that I like about it, even though if I don't necessarily like it in the end. Yeah, it's one that I want to check out, um, but I just didn't get a chance to it this weekend. I might get to it this week. Um, but then the Amulet, uh, or sorry, just Amulet, uh, was one of the last movies I saw at Sundance, and it's a movie that like I really enjoyed parts of it. And then other parts, I was just like, okay. Um, like I, th- I think there's a, a large twist in the movie that's fairly predictable. Um, but basically, it's this guy who's like vaguely Eastern European who vaguely fought in some kind of Cold War on the bad side. Um, and he's, you know, coming back from the war. He doesn't really know what he's doing, doesn't have a lot of money. He ends up staying with uh, these nuns and starts basically just like taking over as their in-house handyman for the most part and then discovers that there's some some spookiness going on in the attic and just kind of horror unfolds as they dive deeper into that and deeper into kind of who he was during the war and before the war 
Um, so there's definitely like some interesting material there. I just don't think it all comes together really well. Um, and I think it's like just kind of all the big character moments are kind of shoehorned in towards the end. Um, and it's kind of like our uh, our our favorite movie, The Good Liar, where they're just kind of purposely <laughs> <laughs> purposefully holding withholding information from you until it like absolutely matters for everything to make sense. Um, but there is like this really trippy, <laughs> just uh, just this really weird, horrific like body horror uh, dream sequence at the end. Uh, that's like the the soldier is basically undergoing what it's like to give birth and he like comes face to face with this little demon alien entity at the end. I mean, it's really trippy and for the low budget, it's really well done. Uh, but other than that, it's, this was on my lower end of stuff I saw at Sundance. Um, but it, it is inventive when it counts. Remember when we freaked out about the good liar for like five minutes last week, <laughs> last year, I almost watched it again the other day. What is wrong? Like with late. You? <laughs> like late night i was on hbo max and i was like should i and then i got distracted by something else <laughs> you got distracted by something good <laughs> probably <laughs> oh goodies well yeah i watched the trailer for amulet and it looked really interesting and i dolores umbridge is in it i'm uh, Stanton. i had to look up her name before we we recorded here because i always forget her name and just call her dolores umbridge instead um yeah this is something i do want to check out it's kind of a bummer that you didn't love it, but um, I don't know. The trailer was kind of interesting, so why not? Who cares? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's it's not on the lower list of, list of my Sundance movies. Like, I can't believe I wasted time watching that. But it's just like, you know, that didn't really work for me. Um, but I, th- I think, like, the parts of it that work, work really well. And then the parts of it that don't are just kind of there. Yeah, it's fair. I think it's, there are, like, interesting, I think, like, the rental annual kind of things together where they're, they're not quite – we're seeing a lot of these too where a lot of these big-time rental movies where they're not quite like first-tier stuff. They're maybe they're like their second or third tier, but they have a lot of interesting stuff in them, and they're like obviously well-made in a sense. And I feel like that's kind of what I, I've been seeing a lot of, whether it's been on screeners or just like renting stuff. It's been – obviously studios are like withholding their best stuff until a later date when they can give them the best opportunity to succeed. But I feel like we are just seeing – all of this kind of thing where it's like, it kind of works if he, I don't know. There's some good stuff in it. Maybe watch a scene on YouTube. I don't know. I feel like that's just been my life for forever now. Yeah. I, I feel that. Um, and you know, there's a lot of these like direct to, or I guess they're direct to streaming now, but like these theatrical movies that ended up going direct that, you know, I was kind of excited to see in the theater and it's stuff like, you know, if I had the chance to see the rental in the theater this weekend, you know, I would have been there, but now that there's more of a paywall to it, since I can't use my AMC stubs, I'm like, I don't know how excited I am to actually go in and and watch this now. Yeah. And that's kind of what I felt. If we can do a little segue here to what we've been watching this week, where uh, I finally caught up with first cow for it, for it's been like forever. Uh, And that movie was supposed to come out in March. I think it came out the week right before everything shut down. It did the thing where it released in four theaters in LA and New York. And then the next week, everything shut down. And then A24 was like, well, we have this really good movie that we don't know what to do with. So we're going to hold on to it and maybe put it back in theaters later on in the fall. And we'll, maybe we'll see what happens for awards consideration. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen. They dropped it last week and it was like, 
$16. It was one of those premium VODs, but not quite the $20 amount because it had already been in theaters for a little bit there. But um, it came, it's dropped down to, because I'm cheap, I waited for it, I waited a week to, for it to drop down and I rented it last night for $6. Uh, and it is terrific. It was so great seeing capital C cinema for a change for like the first time in forever. Um, this movie is terrific. It's one of my favorites of the year. I can't recommend it enough. So it's directed by Kelly Reichert, um, stars Joe Magaro and Ryan Lee on uh, Toby Jones is in there as well. Um, but yeah, it's about the first cow. It comes into this Oregon territory back in the 1820s, I believe. And it's because uh, Toby Jones is this really this, this super British man who has his uh, walking cane and everything. And he brought this cow over to America because he wanted milk in his tea. <laughs> so there's this cow. There's The United States has this cow now. Uh, and so it's all about Joe Magaro and Orion Lee. Basically, they, they go onto his property every night and milk the cow. And then they use the milk for their own capitalist gains. And they start making breads and cakes for their local uh just the, the local people that surround them they start making a lot of money um and it's just it's obviously it's it has a lot to do with today just capitalism in general but um the thing i love about this movie the most is that it's such a good exploration of male friendship like these two guys are just really loving and warm and they're hugging each other but it's it never dips into like a queer vibe at all, uh, which obviously isn't a bad thing, but we don't really see a lot of uh, just really great bromances on screen that aren't like, like winky, wink, wink, macho stuff, like, like the rock and like some kind of movie or whatever like that. Uh, this movie is just, it's really slow and terrific. Um, some people I think didn't like the slow moving pace, but I just loved it. I loved that this movie just savors every little moment that it has. Um, yeah, I can't. I really love this movie. I'm so happy it's like finally available for all of us to see. It's so so terrific. Yeah, it's another one of those that I was really looking forward to when it was included in my AMC stubs, and now I'm just I'm I'm so spoiled by AMC that the thought of paying for a new movie, I'm like, why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> that's been me, like, that's been me with a couple where I've been really like I I finally watched. The Hunt this week. I I don't really have much to say about that movie. It's there, uh, but it was another movie I had to rent, and it's just like all of these like it's just like nickel and diming me for every single thing. And it's like I know you rent two of those, and it's basically the price of one ticket or whatever. But yeah, like I miss AMC stubs being able to just them losing so much money off of me when I would <laughs> go see movies like three. I do the, the allotment of three movies a weekend, and they would just lose it all on me. But uh, yeah, uh, I would recommend if people are dealing with the same issues. First Cow is one of those that you definitely should seek out because um, it's just terrific. It, it's a, it might be a little slow for some people, um, and that's definitely something that you should know going in. But if you're on the movie's wavelength, it is just so terrific. And just every every minute is just, I loved it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely what I, I want to get around to, especially now that the price has dropped. Um, you know, the, the like $6 on Google is, I think, what I saw the other day is way less intimidating than the $20 rental that they were offering at first. Yeah. And it, th there's a couple movies like that. Like I will never spend $20 to watch that irresistible movie. <laughs> the John Stewart, <laughs> Steve Carell. Movie. I will never do that. And it's the same thing with like the high note is I haven't seen that one either. Cause I'm just not going to spend that much money on that either. But 
you get it down to $6, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good deal. I'll probably do that. You can sucker me into it, and then I'll watch more movies than the $20 amount, and then I'll just I'll end up paying more money. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you will never see me buying one of those $20 movies unless it's like it comes to like no time to die. It's like, hey, we're going to release online for 20 bucks, and I'll buy, I'll buy that one. But outside of that, you will not see me doing it at all. Yeah, uh, pretty much same here. Um, you know, I don't have kids, so I don't need to buy Trolls to watch 30 times. <laughs> Remember Trolls World Tour when that was a big deal? Oh, my God. That movie broke the box office. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I put my Criterion subscription to good use over the weekend. Uh, so yesterday I watched Secret Honor, which I feel like if I had seen this movie five years ago, I would have been like, this is insane. Um, and then watching it yesterday, I was like, I can literally just turn on CNN and see exactly this every day. <laughs> um, but basically, so it's it's based off of a play. It's uh, Robert Altman, and it's Nixon, a fictionalized Nixon, yeah, Nixon in the late 70s, who's just like talking into a tape recorder, going over what's going to be his defense, um, taking like the role of his attorney and himself. And it's just like an hour and a half of him kind of ranting and raving and going off on tangents and like exploring his childhood and trying to understand his guilt, but also like prove to himself that he's innocent. And there's this, you know, part of the movie where you don't really know if there's anybody on the other end of the microphone. He keeps talking to somebody named Roberto and he's like, go back, because basically what will happen is he'll start on like a valid point and then go off on a rant and be like, you know what, that was kind of racist. Take that out of the record. (laughs) Um, And then... (laughs) And, and then just kind of come back to it and it's really sweet because at the end you're like oh he's he's really made this connection like good for you Richard and then he's just like you know what fuck America you guys voted for me like it's all your fault you brought this upon yourselves <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just like it's really scary how like there's a couple instances in the film where it's like exact quotes that I've heard from the current president within the past year and I'm like ooh uh, this makes me uncomfortable um <laughs> but it's it's a really good performance from philip baker hall as well who's someone i really only know from seinfeld where he plays a library cop um so it was nice to see him just like really dive into this role and really explore the scenery because this entire movie takes place in this one room and so it's i mean it's a challenge for the actor but also for the director to keep it interesting when you're not cha- you're not adding any other actors you're not changing the set at all it's basically this hour and 20 minute long monologue and they just like eat up the set extremely well they play with like a lot of the technology and he's got like cameras and recording equipment in the room so they're like seeing a lot of like reflections or reverse shots through the monitor um and just like really exploring the space which i thought was probably my favorite part of it um and then just baker hall's Nixon is just terrific. Yeah, I haven't seen this one. I, I weirdly, I've only seen the player from Robert Altman. That's one of my pretty bad blind spots, and I need to check that one, a lot of his movies out. But that is good to hear with Philip Baker Hall because for me, I when I think of him, I always think of like the '90s Paul Thomas Anderson movies that he was in because he was in like in all of them. He has that really good uh, performance of Magnolia too as the game show host. Um, he's in Boogie Nights too, um, and I, f- I feel like he was just there was a there was a time where he was in every single '90s movies movie. Like I think he was in the Truman Show for like a hot second, 
or like rush hour two or not rush hour two, just rush hour, rush hour as well. <laughs> but uh, like tell them Mr. Ripley and all that stuff. But I, yeah, I, I would love to see him in this kind of role. Cause I feel like he, he, he is always in those supporting roles, but he always is like makes you always notice him and he always does a really good job, but you don't, you never see him in that lead role. So um, that's really cool. I do want to check that one out at some point. Yeah, it's it's definitely one that like you gotta walk into because it's it is like a very long, long, long monologue, uh, but it's just performed so well. Um, like I I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and then it's also a sad day that uh, Olivia De Havilland died this afternoon. But uh, the Criterion Channel actually like HBO Max has quite a bit of her movies, so I definitely recommend Gone with the Wind if you haven't seen that or The Adventures of Robin Hood, which is um 1938 so it's super cheesy um everybody's wearing tights and just like smacking each other with clearly rubber swords that like bend and sway <laughs> as they hit one another um but it's a good time just what a what a great life 104 years old she really just got all of it just really good for her it is it is sad to see her go and we are kind of getting down to the end of the golden age of hollywood and who's still alive but um yeah just Rest in peace to her. It just it is really sad whenever you see these people pass, but um, yeah, she's 104 is just incredible to me. Just she got she got all so that she should probably could ever ask for. She lived a full life, so just yeah, we'll, we'll definitely miss her. Yep. So uh, that's that's pretty much what's going on with movies. Um, who knows when we'll actually get into see movies? You know, originally I think a lot of the American theaters. Uh, their second release or their second opening date was supposed to be this week, but uh, I I don't see that happening. Uh, so so who knows when we'll actually get back safely in a theater again? Yeah, I'll, I'll see you in twenty twenty five, pal. <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> when Avatar six comes out. <laughs> who knows? I like I said, I am sitting back. I'm gonna wait. At this point, I'm gonna stay in my apartment, do nothing, watch a bunch of. I'll watch Scoob five more times, um, then just wait for Sharkboy and Lava Girl, and then who knows? We'll see. Maybe Tenet comes out, and then I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm not. I am. I am not preparing myself for anything. I'm just gonna sit here and wait. <laughs> the Kissing Booth three will be out before we return to the movie theater. <laughs> Don't even make me think about the Kissing Booth three. I know. When I send out those review sign-up sheets, no one's going to want to sign up for it, and I'm going to have to fall on that sword again. <laughs> it's going to make me so sad to do it, but damn it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, what, a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> but uh, that is this week's episode of the Movie Bubble Podcast. Uh, remember, you can always check us out at moviebubble.com and we'll be back next week talking about whatever uh, nonsense Netflix has for us. Mm-hmm.